What's up, guys? This week on the Shark Pod, we are breaking down one of our favorite books between me and Mark. It's called The Four Hour Work Week. A lot of you guys would have been familiar with this book, so it's going to be kind of a recap, but it'll also give you guys a bit of an insight. If you haven't read the book, we definitely recommend it. Uh, it's made a big impact on us. But if we want to, uh, if you want to have a, a listen to this on audio, um, you can subscribe to a our audio audible link below and you'll get it for free i would actually i know this is, goes against kind of our usual pitch but i would actually um think about not doing the the audio version just because there's kind of some worksheets and stuff in the four hour work week that are really really interesting and really useful so i would definitely go for that but if you want to listen to it and you don't like to read uh click the audible uh link below get it for free sign up uh quit whenever you want um for now i'll be kicking it over to me and mark having a chat about the four hour work week welcome to the shark pod the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in ireland and beyond and now live from greystone studios here are your hosts luke curry and mark baker what is up shark nation we are back we are back in greystone studios today we're talking to mark baker it's luke and mark riffing again the boys are back in town mark baker how's it going great how are you i'm good i'm good i'll tell you what i'm a little bit disappointed though because of iron man yeah yeah so two weeks ago i got an email from the guys over at iron man uh, at nice and they were saying that luke we're good to go these are all the things that were that were you know put in place for all of the social distancing stuff like that grand so i went ahead and, and bought a, a flight against a lot of i don't know social pressure you know that i put on myself more than anything but you know there's a lot of pandemic stuff it's it, and france is having a bad time apparently with the covid stuff but then on the other hand i i said i was going to do it i actually booked this at the very beginning of the whole lockdown thing so I knew this was a possibility. That's what I was saying. So I'd already made that kind of decision. I was going to go do that. But then I got an email on Friday um, saying that uh, saying that because of the the mayor or something in Nice have uh, withdrawn the um, withdrawn the support for the race that they're going to cancel it and just book me in for 2021 um, Ironman. So that was Friday night. So on Friday night, I went out to an Indian restaurant and hit the naan bread hard. <laughs> It's been a shit show. It's been a shit show since then. Um, a little bit with the diet and stuff like that, just because you know it took it kind of. It's been four months of really you know hard training for this, so it was a little bit. And where, what what was the date it was supposed to be? It's supposed to be the thirteenth of September. So there's a couple of options. One, I still got my ticket. I can go like do the route in Nice and stuff like mm. that. But now the reward isn't there for the risk that I'm taking. You know, bringing back whatever made yeah. me sick. You know, is there a, is there a route is there a route in Dublin that you can do? Yeah, so like there was based, I could do the Dunleary one because that's a mapped out route. Do you know? Um, yeah, that just didn't happen to be going on this year, but like I could just I could do that there on the thirteenth of September, and I think that's what I'll do anyway. We'll call it Sharkman seventy point three, <laughs> you know, Greystones edition. We'll I some, like that. You should put that out to people um, if they want to do it. Because how many people? No, are well, it's, messed over well, I don't this? know if you're going to be allowed now encouraging people to gather together but you could do it in a you know in different uh heats you know yeah we could six people at a time or something yeah we're all outside in the sea it should be should be okay <laughs> yeah um but then yeah so anyway so that's that's uh so we're still 
whatever happens, I still think I'm going to go and do that, the distances and stuff like that, because yeah, I would say I think you should, because yeah. it's, 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 something, it's something you have to be match fit for. And then if you're going to do it next year, you might as well have not, not done anything this year, really. 100%. I'm just going to get this note taker out of there. Sometimes HubSpot adds that to my Zoom call. Anyway, um, yeah, so the yeah, so that, that's that. It's okay. I'm not going to let it get me down too much. I'm going to continue the training. Then on the 13th of September, given the weather, maybe um, the Irish Sea is a little bit more unpredictable than uh, the Mediterranean, so we'll have to find a, you know, uh, a good tide <laughs> to, to do it on. But we're going to figure that out. It's going to be called the Shark Man. T-shirts will be available for any of the uh, participants. There will be spot prizes on the day. I'm just making this up. I don't know if there will be. <laughs> so uh, what have you learned then from, from training for it? Okay, this is actually, I know this is off topic because we've, we've got a really great topic to talk about today. But uh, what I've learned is, one, it's easier than you would imagine in some ways. Um, <laughs> a lot then, of people aren't going to like that, Luke. It's easier than, because there's no one's, on, no one's on defense. There's no one stopping you from running except yourself. You just got to commit to it. Okay, um, and you're used to competitive sports with basketball, kickboxing, stuff like that. Yeah, so I've played sports a lot and I've never got... Uh, too far out of shape I don't think of I go to the gym three times a week um, kind of generally anyway uh, so I wasn't starting from scratch but uh, once you push by like if you do it in a smart way it can be um, it can be easier than you think I think the biggest thing that people puts off people for those kind of long triathlons are the or is the swimming right mm-hmm. um, so like I said before I can't recommend the book by Terry Lachlan um, total immersion enough uh, just changed the way like, I couldn't believe nothing has ever been more effective except for maybe like a Brillo pad on a dirty pot do you know what I mean <laughs> like it really <laughs> works like you know yeah um, so like when I say it's easier than I thought I, th- I think that uh, getting it into a, a really high level of fitness um, if you just plan it out enough and have plenty of rest good nutrition and live in a place where you beside you live beside the beach and mountains to try and, yeah. <laughs> and you know I'm, I'm in the perfect <laughs> position and also having a a seasoned uh, Ironman coach that lives just up the road as well you know keep me honest Alex uh, up there in Bray so like like I said any I think I wouldn't say maybe anyone can do it but I would say that people most people would be able to do it if they put their mind to it so that's interesting kind of some positive stuff there. Um, once you get get by the sore shins at the beginning when you start running, the rest yeah. is fine, you know. So it's uh, and also it here's something that I learned, uh, and I knew this in principle, but um, cardio exercise doesn't do anything for weight. <laughs> okay. um, during the training, I've cycled, I don't know, a couple of thousand kilometers, ran hundreds and hundreds of kilometers, cycled or sorry, uh, swam like tens of kilometers. Um, and because of, you have to eat quite a lot when you're doing those long rides that four hours, five hour cycles. Um, <laughs> some people listen to this and be like, yeah, he said it's easy. It's like f- going for four hour cycles and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but my point is that it's, it's hard to, it doesn't, it doesn't equal being really, really, uh, ripped from that. It, it's gotta be diet. So like, I think my probably, my body composition was probably better, um, when you just lift weights and had a really kind of a strict diet okay interesting is that interesting yeah well that kind of falls into the whole minimum input maximum output 
uh, theme of of the of the podcast. Absolutely, it's a lovely little segue, Mark. We are mm. reviewing, um, or just kind of like breaking down one of our favorite books um, of the past. I guess 20 years because this was out 13, 14 years ago. Um, four hour work week by our main man, Timothy Ferris. Um, this book, like a lot of people, I think when you read the first couple of chapters, you're like, I don't, I don't like this guy, Tip. That's the way he used to write. It's a very um, self, like I'm great, this type of thing. But this book is the, it, we were talking about before we went on, um, on air here. It is like, still a bible for anyone who wants to have the lifestyle design that's actually why we our podcast is is a business and lifestyle design because um this book just gives you so many signposts into what you should be thinking about if you're interested in designing a life which everyone should be Mm. um rather than just trying to get by right so um you i think you bought me this book after reading it how when was that when was that 2011 or something probably 2011 or 12 yeah i'd say so any any book that i get that i think is good i pretty much buy you yeah. it for your birthday or, or for christmas yeah <laughs> and we often get each other the same book <laughs> yeah which is great usually a tim if whatever tim ferris book is out at that at that time we usually kind of just exchange those but uh i love the way he writes it writes in a very how-to um mm. way um so just gives the guys some context out there uh tim ferris is a guy who's written for our body for our chef for our um for our work week as well as tools of titans a lot of those kind of books of uh making your trying to make your life better or more enjoyable at least um, really practical though yeah really mm. practical it's kind of like a a tim ferris without the energy or sorry he, he is, is tim, tim ferris what do you mean yeah. i mean sorry uh uh, uh tony robbins he's tony robbins without walking on coals and stuff do you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean he gets you going yeah but in a if very subtle a way mix, a mix of those those two guys it's it, it, they're both kind of good for you in different ways yeah tony's more motivation yeah exactly um so tim just to give a, a brief uh summary about how he kind of came into the type of lifestyle that he just des- that he describes in the four hour work week he uh was a princeton grad a grad uh it's an ivy league school in america obviously a very high achiever very stressed out uh wanted to be the best at everything uh started a, a supplements company um was working whatever 80 90 hours a week i know they all say that i don't know how these guys can actually do that but mm. I, working every hour that god sends built built quite a good business that was cash flowing i think he i can't remember exactly how much it was but it's kind of like 20 grand a month or something and you know a lot of early people in their early 20s that's you know very good so mm. uh, but he found himself having nervous breakdown type uh feelings his uh partner leaves him because uh he works too much leaves him a note tells him that um then he kind of he takes he takes a break uh, tra- travels for two months it turns into two years kind of mini retirement <clears throat> um sets up his business to run completely um completely on autopilot um figures out this kind of lifestyle where he's got what he calls a muse which is a uh, a source of almost passive income where he only has to work a few hours a week to achieve everything that he wants from a financial point of view um and then he basically tries to fill the void with with learning uh, interesting things, doing exciting uh, activities. Um, so one of the most impor- important things or one of the interesting things about Tim Ferriss when he talks about this is uh, how weird it is when everyone's at work and you've figured out a way that you don't have to work anymore. And he talks about yeah, putting things in the calendar that are going to be exciting, maybe climbing mountains or 
going to do something and that kind of keeps you uh, focused and stuff like that. So we'll get to that in the end. But uh, so like, Mark, what was the, like, when you read this, this really uh, speak to you? I know we, we both work a lot more <laughs> than four hours. So maybe, mm. uh, maybe you might say a few, a few words about the book. Yeah, well, it was, I think it's more, I treated it more like a, a menu that you could dip in and out of and take from, just like the four hour body, the four hour chef. So, whereas I didn't want, I don't necessarily looking for, and nobody, well, some people are looking for the four hour work week, but that's quite hard. That's quite hard to achieve. I was trying to fit more things that I wanted to do into my day. So in a way to kind of create it, it, it kind of touches on three things. So it's like it could, the book wouldn't exist and the method wouldn't exist without technology. So the internet, the book wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the internet and the internet has changed since even since that drastically. Um, secondly, it's management, time management, um, automation all that kind of stuff and then thirdly is kind of the big kind of life questions you know why why are we doing this what do you really want to do you know kind of those tough questions to to ask yourself and it digs right into them and it's it's saying be honest it says that number of times be honest with yourself or it won't work yeah you know and people aren't honest with themselves and they'll and i'm guilty of it i'll i'll work all day to cover off you know the 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 four hours that I probably should have done that just to be sure that those four hours are done, I'll work 10. Yeah. But that's just, that's because I didn't address the tough questions and I didn't ring the make the, make the tough phone calls. So I stretched it all out yeah. to make myself seem busy and actually to make myself seem more content at the end of the day, but then you're more drained. And in the long run, you're not, you're not actually doing cool things. You're not, you've no time to spend, which are the most important things, which is family, which is, you know, travel things that make you happy. Yeah. So, yeah, it just it again. We 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 like books that are, are anything that kind of reinforces what we already believe. One hundred percent. So I, this was kind of touching a lot on that, but then it was it was also a lot of challenging things in it. Um, again, that you'd be tempted not to do. You know, putting yourself in un- uncomfortable situations. You know, yeah. staring at people too long, things like that, just to practice uh, discomfort. Yeah, one of his big things. So much in it, though. One of the things that that just talking about there is his uh i don't know i don't actually think it was a, a quote by him but it's in the book it's about um it the, you can measure someone's success by the amount of awkward conversations they're they're willing to have you know and yeah being like have wanting people to like you all the time or complying all the time is the easiest thing to do right mm. so this is kind of going against uh um going against against that. what seems natural I think it was yeah. he quotes Mark Twain in there as well. Something like, uh, "Whenever the majority have a have an opinion, it's time to uh, stop and reflect." You know, mm. so it's saying like, you know, if everyone thinks something is the way it is, uh, might be time to have a look at that. So I've always been a kind of a contrarian anyway. So this book again kind of talks to that for me. But it, I kind of really got into it when I was working in the investment bank and wasn't very happy, and I was. Uh, I was really the target, I think, for this type of book. I think we've talked about this lots of times before, how I took the book and did the... I like the idea of the mini retirement, so I just quit my job and did that. But mm. um, if I had uh, a muse with some income that was coming in, I could have stayed on the road longer if I wanted to instead mm. of having to really, you know, be under pressure when I arrived in Canada <laughs> to get a job doing anything. <laughs> well, not anything, but <laughs> almost... <laughs> <laughs> almost let me tell you i thought about it. i took some uh 
Okay, so taking some risk out there. Okay, so the um, it's one of the books. So I was I was listening to um, the the guy uh, Seth Godin. Uh, Seth Godin, know him? He's the mm-hmm. marketing guy, um, and he talks about how he reads books really quickly because you only have to read a couple of chapters to get the joke for a business book, and the rest is them just kind of driving it home. Um, mm. But I don't think that this is one of those books. Every chapter you get something out of it. It's a yeah. It's not something that you can just, like you said, it's more of a menu. You got to dive into it. Um, it's it's centered. So let's let's actually get into the book. Um, it's yeah, but if so if like there is, people are gonna take it differently. They'll they'll take different things from it. Like you would have taken different things than me from it. It's like it's kind of like the other encyclopedia. We say it's the encyclopedia of kind of entrepreneurship that we book that 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 we've had and the Arnold Schwarzenegger Bible, uh, encyclopedia bodybuilding would be the, the equivalent Bible, but yeah. you know, nobody's really going to ever realistically be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but yeah. they're going to take things from it. hundred yeah. percent. And I think you'd probably have a, you'd have a good chance if you wanted to, especially nowadays, if you have the the right mindset, and we talked about this before the podcast as well as like a lot of this, like one of the chapters in here is about uh, trying to negotiate working remotely. <laughs> like, now you don't even have to do that yeah there's no excuse now to have the more free time to to work on something for for income um, yeah i i think at the time when it first came out it had a lot of naysayers who would just be like laughing at it saying that's not, that's not possible yeah. but but now with, with actual hindsight you can actually see so many people set like famous quite famous people say that they were inspired by that book yeah. loads of people who actually implemented things and and went on to the big things. I remember when I, I had it on my desk once when I worked in a, a kind of a banking sector, and you know you get all types of types of people. But look, you're working full time in a, in a bank essentially, and a, an old fellow walked by and he was nearly retired. Like and he just about, maybe about eight years away from retirement. He just looked at it and goes, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, yeah, right." As in like for work week, I've heard of that. Yeah, right. I was like, not not really the the right kind of yeah. person to be listening to <laughs> exactly he couldn't and also there's a cognitive dissonance there that he wouldn't be he's been working 60 hours a week for his whole life he can't accept that that's a, a possibility um yeah he'd have to admit to himself that he wanted that and then that he didn't do it and then that he, he's failed in a way so of course he's gonna kind of roll his eyes on it absolutely um so the the book is actually it's it's <laughs> it does something that he doesn't do a lot well, actually, no, it is in some of those books, but he's kind of gone away from this type of writing. Uh, but it's it's centered around uh, an acronym, the different sections of the book, D-E-A-L, deal, mm-hmm. um, which the, the the book Golden Apples really uh, put me off that. That's the, the Bill, uh, the, Bill, the Cullen. Bill, Bill Cullen's autobiography. And every it's got, it says Golden Apples, and that's every chapter is a... You know, it's part of the acronym. So he ruined that for me. So I felt like he was really <laughs> clutching at straws for that double P. Um, anyway, so I, my my point is, uh, I'm not sure about that. But the first the first one is about um, is about definition. This is something that people, this, like we've I know we talked about like uh, uh, career guidance all that type of stuff. But people are not defining what type of life they want to have. They are clutching from that one one job to the next. Just opportunities are coming to them. They're just kind of, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, plan there. There's no definition of what they really want. And I watched this, mm. uh, this video uh, on value tainment. I've told you about this guy before, but you haven't seen him. 
No, I think he's worth a hundred. It just goes to show you, America is the the place to be. But he, I think he, like he's an Iranian immigrant from, or that is like grew up in New York. Uh, he's worth over a hundred million now. Apparently, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't think it. Let's just, I'll just put it like that. His name is Patrick Bet right. David. Um, I actually sometimes his videos, some of them are good, but um, he was saying he he had a video up uh, saying your next fifteen moves, <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> 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 and he wow. said he said he talked to some chess master or something and he was like i'm always thinking what's my the next i'm thinking 15 moves ahead um and so that's too many that's too many things <laughs> you're calling it too many that. yeah okay that's too many things listen i know well you haven't watched the video so <laughs> yeah well he has 100 million apparently so yeah exactly um so my point is that that's really you know defining what we want to do and all the steps you need to do to get there mm. so like for me, uh, defining what you want to do, like I, I said this to Mark before the, the episode started, I had a, a vision of the house that I wanted to buy uh, when I was 20 or something. And the house that I bought 10 years, it took about 10 years, uh, was almost exactly what I had pictured in my mind. Weirdly mm. so. Very much mm. uh, made it into reality, you know, mm. even the color of it, you know. Um, so uh, defining that and working towards something is, is the most important thing. Um, I think we like in the book he goes into how to define it by kind of the the negativity. So he goes into fear setting. Um, did you ever see? He has, actually has a, a TED talk on fear setting that I'd recommend. Did you ever see that one, Mark? Uh, maybe I did a while, a while ago. I'm not sure. He he basically he wants you to think about you know what. So everyone, I would say not everyone, but most people have some some move they want to make, mm-hmm. you know? I remember th- talking to somebody uh, in one of the places where I worked before. I won't say which place, but, you know, he didn't really like his job and he was saying, I just wish I could make moves. I can't make moves. Like, he wants to do... In what his, direction? He just start his own business, get fit. <laughs> He's not making any moves, like, you know. <laughs> and what was stopping him? I, I don't know. Um, I he just my point is he was it was obviously fear that was stopping him yeah you know um so uh in fear setting in in the book uh tim goes into how to um how to think about what would happen if you took the move that you want so say if you have a good paying job but you don't like it you want to move to argentina to learn how to tango which he does in the book um Mm. and he goes to like the world championships and stuff like that but if you want to move to argentina for six months quit your job mm. uh what would be what would actually happen and really be honest about how how that would impact you financially how mm. how would that impact your career would you be able to pick up where you left off mm. would there be another uh, another job that's very similar to yours that you could come come back and you'd have a kind of a cool story to, to tell if things didn't work out yeah. so i think that's that's really really powerful it's something that you can even do like a five-year regression thing. So if I do this in five years and it works out, I'll be here. If mm. I do it for five years and it does work out, I'll be here. Can I come back? Can I make a side move? All those types of things. Mm. Something that people aren't really thinking when they're when they're defining that. So it's kind of like defining the downside as well as the, um, the positive. Uh, and people will find that the downside is nowhere near as much as what they think it is in the back of their head when they actually think, what's the worst that can happen it's people why do you think people get so stressed out about things that aren't 
you know that important it's not about obviously about family sick all it's that the unknown stuff. fear of the unknown is way worse than fear of the actual so when how do you so is it kind of risk aversion of that be into that or it's you'd be yeah i think defining what 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 the worst case scenario is and then mitigate how to, how to mitigate that yeah to actually again we talked about it before to make the leap not as big uh, as as it maybe it might be like when i was in that bank that i was talking about i had the option i went looking for accounting jobs and then i i met with recruiters who, who said i'd be be good at recruitment and everything about that and you know it it kind of ticked a lot of boxes for me and i was like well this is a big move it's it's like we spoke with, with connor sheridan like he went from davy to being an entrepreneur something completely different uh you know in restaurant business completely different the move is if you, if you don't make that you have to go back with your tail between your legs how hard is that going to be is it going to look strange in your cv you're going to have to explain that for every finance job you want to go back into um so to mitigate that i'm you know i made sure that i i made sure that the well the one that the salary was gonna was going to be okay you know and i put i I put enough research into it that I was actually felt that I was going to be like, I did like a sick, did like a 50 page analysis of the whole recruitment industry and who's who and how it could improve all the website, like crazy. When I look back at it, like it's actually, it's still usable today and I'd never even done it. So that's, again, that's helping mitigate the risk. Um, I also was earning money with the art. So I kind of upped, upped my game with that was doing more paintings, promoting the stuff more. So I had that to fall back on. I would, it wouldn't go too hungry if it didn't work out, you know, stuff like that. And then I made the jump and then, and then four years later, set up my own recruitment company, which is what I wanted to do anyway, from the start of work, work for myself. And like, that's exactly with fear setting. And that's actually one of the steps as well, where you're just mitigating the risk. You did everything you could to, to figure that out beforehand. And like, the weird thing about being an accountant, you're always an accountant, whatever happens, like, do you know what I mean? Well, that's the whole reason I went into accountancy anyway, was because it's a solid, career and yeah. you'll always have it and yeah. the skill sets that you learn obviously are, are good yeah it's uh yeah exactly and then the, the next after a fair setting that he goes into something called dream lighting dream mm. lining rather um this is something that i really really enjoyed it's something that i've done several times throughout the um throughout the last 10 years and i like it because it's very actionable it's like it's a way of setting uh setting goals uh for six months and 12 months so six months mm. is actionable that's something that you're, that's on the horizon. You better get ready for, you know? Um, and the 12 months one, you know, takes a little bit more time, but at least it's again, uh, measurable and you're going, it's in the, in the, the future that you can see. Sometimes when people say, where do you going to want to be in five years? It's kind of like the 15 moves that we were talking about earlier. It's hard to mm. know what life will be like in five years. So the six months, he kind of breaks it down into not just uh, financial goals, but also like, the idea behind dreamlining is that how just figure out how much money you need to do that. And you always be surprised at how little money you actually need to live a life that you want to live. Mm. <laughs> do you know? Um, so, so what are some examples of dreams? So if we're talking about our <laughs> dreams here, Mark, um, we can go to page 60 here. Um, so the way he breaks it down is the, what you want to, boom, 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 what you want to, 
have, what you want to be, and what you want to do. So they're the okay. two, they're the three kind of areas that he wants to go into. So having that might be in this in the book, he gives an example of uh, an Aston Martin, um, yeah. uh, being uh, being flexible, being fluent in Greek, etc. Um, doing uh, sell a TV show, visit Croatian coast, all this type of stuff, right? Mm. That he, that he has in here for his his stuff, and it gives you kind of a a target monthly income that you should be uh, looking to generate. Mm. And the idea here is that a lot of these things cost less than you think they would. So like Aston Martin a month is 2000 a uh, a trip to uh, the Croatian coast, $514. Like really, you know, these are things that people say they'd love to do. This, this actually puts it into uh, context and say, okay, this is how you have to afford it. He builds in an extra 30% for like expenses and stuff that you wouldn't know, but it allows you to say, these are the, the things that you want to uh, to do for the next six months. This is what it's going to cost. So now you know to have your perfect life for the next six months or in six months, you're going to have to figure out a way to generate X amount of dollars to be able to do that, which mm. is, you know, kind of it's, it, like like I said, in school, they don't teach this shit in schools. Like, mm. you know, they're not telling you about what do you want to do in the next six months then, and that's it because that's where your life is. That's the life that you they're live in in six it, months. It's kind of teaching you to save for a rainy day that kind of attitude but then what do you do on the rainy day because you're so fucking scared <laughs> <laughs> exactly i talked to somebody today who um <clears throat> he's not in hubspot he's in a he's in a different um tech big giant company in, in dublin and i was talking to him and uh all the tech stock has gone through the roof since covid um and he's he just he's sitting on a huge amount of cash that he never thought that he would ever have uh, because mm. he has a decent job, but he's not in sales or anything like that. So there's no kind of mad commission upside coming his way. So he's just got this uh, this this load of uh, shares that he's sitting on. And he's like, now he, he worries, he says he worries about it going down all the time now. <laughs> That's like, he's not, he's not spending it, so he's not better off. But he just looks at it all day going going up and down. Just now, yeah. it, it, it's uh, so it's kind of a, and if that's not for anything. Um, I had this idea, maybe we can run this idea by it. This is kind of a little bit off topic, but I was thinking about how to train children to to think about money, right? And I had this mm-hmm. idea. You've got a couple of kids, you know, mm-hmm. um, my nieces. <laughs> so imagine if you did they this. Have names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, those little girls over there live in your house. Um, they So we if, if you said to them, you know, they're teenagers, you know, you, you want them to like, you know, have nice things or go on you know holidays you know all that or whatever right you want them to be able to spend money a lot everyone just gives them money what if you said you can Mm -hmm. have as much money as you want if you start a business and then you'll be able to spend the profits i won't have any say in what you do with it but what if i said to you okay you want to you know you want to go on holidays next year with your friends you're 17 or something you're going to need a thousand euro okay how can you make a business that makes a thousand euro i'll give you everything you need to set up I'll give you every penny, mm. but you're not allowed to spend any of that. Imagine that. Imagine giving them that type of a mindset yeah. where it's like, mm. do you, "What do you think about?" It? I think, that, I know, I think it's a good. You're idea. giving the, the the this this seed capital to to do to make money, exactly. As opposed to, well, the old way of doing that is get go get a job, you know. Yeah, because if essentially children couldn't start businesses until the internet came along 
you know, they could really, but you can actually have like the kids design like t-shirts and stuff for me. Layla's learned Photoshop. She's yeah. really good, really good at it. And okay. uh, designing t She knows what the kids want, like, and all these gamers and stuff. And she's like, hey, has any sold yet? And oh, I love you know, that. So she, this is exactly what I'm talking about. So uh, she's mm-hmm. a little bit young, but maybe when they're like 13, 14, 15, say, okay, say if my son, if he's like 14, I'll be like, okay, I want you to, to I want you to think big as well. I don't want you to just say, oh, I'm selling lemonade. I want you to think big. Mm. I want you to say, I want you to go source how much a, uh, a tennis machine that, you know, shoots out the, the tennis ball for practice. I don't want you to set up like a, a tennis court thing. I want you to set up a real mm. business. Mm. And then we'll you can you can keep the money forever. I've never, never asked for the money back, but you can only spend yeah. the profit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When, when I, yeah, when I was a kid, it was like, you have to get a job, like wait till you get a job and then you yeah. can earn money. It was never really like, how can you actually start your own business? How can you earn money now? What can you do to get money as opposed to just getting a job? Like when we came back from the holiday, we had a little holiday uh, recently and then I sent you, so I sent you a picture of them selling stuff outside in the garden. No. Did I say that? No. They'd set up a shop in the garden because I told them they wanted to go on another holiday straight away, of course. And I said, well, if you have the money, we can go, you yeah. know, and yeah. they're like selling off all toys and selling face masks buying it in bulk and trying to sell them individually now the problem was that there was no footfall yeah okay. <laughs> it's like a rainy day retail is so, tough these days yeah <laughs> so, so i said to Leila, what, what did you learn at the end of it and she goes location now what, what do you mean she goes yeah there's nobody here we need to go where people <laughs> are <laughs> said, yes that's exactly what i wanted you to say oh, but you can't because you're only eight yeah yeah exactly but these guys are going to be absolute powerhouses which is great um the dreamline thing just ends with uh, steps that you, sh- after you do your dreamline to figure out what your target monthly income is, um, you take steps now. So you have to take a step to do everything. So if you mm. want to learn uh, Greek, you, you have to find somebody to uh, to book in a, a class online on italki.com or whatever. Speak to a Greek person. You, know. um, you have to have stuff to do tomorrow and the day after. So you get a little bit of that momentum. That was that's a big thing. I've I've often made plans of also like strategies stuff like that, and then I they've like really detailed business plans stuff like that, and then I close over my uh, my uh, A four pad, place it up there in my. <laughs> I actually got an area where I keep all my business ideas, and then Your I dreams. just get a, just <laughs> just put my dreams on the shelf and then keep moving. <laughs> no, but I, I I I kind of congratulate myself on a good job for that. <laughs> and then uh, get on with the day. So. And then you call you call me to action it. Yeah, I'm like, listen, we got to put some hustle behind this. You know what? Okay, you're you're afraid to tell me. Yeah, exactly. I'll make you do it. No, but in saying that, you do you do. There are some things you put in the long finger, and there's some things you actually go all in with, like Iron Man, like learning Irish. Yeah, you know they're kind of they're examples of dreamlines, aren't they? Yeah, and like I do a good like good job and work and stuff like that but it's the stuff that is i've because i've been i don't know this is something that i'm trying to talk about getting the kids to to kind of take action with money i'm kind of the guy who's a little bit now when money comes in i'm just kind of saving 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 rather than what i should be doing is taking all that money and getting used to risking a lot more so say mm. well here's my dream line this is all the money i need everything else is for speculative stuff that would that's what it should be and that's what we need to kind of get the kids to gamble more a little bit when they're growing up so they say okay i any money that here would be a really really uh it would be a very 
good way of of teaching kids say okay when you work go work in woodies or whatever every penny you earn you give it to me we'll we'll put it in some sort of risk asset or investment or something like that and you get to spend whatever you make off that but you mm-hmm. can't spend what you earn it has to come mm-hmm. out of that's what grant cardone does he doesn't spend or he didn't spend any of the money you made from like speaking gigs i don't know if he was it could be full shit but let's say his his theory was he only spends money that comes out of his real estate stuff so he said he calls it staying broke so all the money that comes in that's excess that's not going directly on bills he puts in a pot for storage and then he Mm. does tries to do something big with all the money that he makes extra yeah a lot of people try to do that but there and i look i've tried to do that as well having different income streams not at the level of grand cardone but like trying to say right i'll I'll live off the artwork or something like that you know or i live off one element and the problem is there's often not enough of that (laughs) of that stream so that's obviously the elephant in the room is is and but there's different ways you can attack that as well but um easier said than done absolutely Mm. so moving right along that's the kind of the definition um Mm. out of the deal acronym um the next part is uh, the elimination. So this is about all the stuff in life that just piles on. Um, a lot of people that are listening out there today will be uh, going to work, getting up early, going to work. Maybe not right now because they're not commuting, but let's remember that when people were doing the commute every day, two mm-hmm. hours a day, two and a half hours, you know, um, easy, you know. Um, they get to work. They've got a mountain of email. Now you've got Slack. Um, I came back the other day. I had like 30-something Slack messages they're all in bold red as well. Do you know the, the it's very, uh, it's done on purpose to make sure that you're as stressed as possible. And then mm. you've got all these meetings. My meeting link is out there. People are booking time in the calendar, all that type of stuff. You know, so elimination is all about looking at your life and trying to take out as much stuff that you don't enjoy doing that doesn't add a lot of value, um, and outsource that or eliminate it completely. So like the outsourcing part is really interesting and it was in its infancy back then in 2007 but now it's a it's a full industry mm. um actually not in the job that i have right now but in a previous job in hubspot i approached my manager and asked him could i outsource just as an experiment to, to somebody in india to do a certain part of the job mm. um, and then they said they said no but uh they liked where i was coming from um, mm. but it was just because there was a lot of kind of like data involved anyway my point is these you can go directly to these companies in india india is actually a little bit expensive i was looking at places in bangladesh and stuff like that that can mm-hmm. outsource the annoying things in your life that you don't really like doing um mm-hmm. so you have more time to yourself or just eliminate the, the stuff that doesn't it doesn't give you any roi you know um is there now that you're your own boss you're running a company is there stuff in your life that you could eliminate? Do you think, or that you'd like to? What would what's? What well, you can el- Yeah, you can eliminate the obvious things like time. Anything that's wasting time, like looking at the media, looking at Twitter, social media. Basically, is probably the biggest waste of time in my life, and I don't even use it that much. But I well, I do. I I use it, and that's the problem. I have to go on it. Yeah. To to put stuff out, but. In doing that, you get caught. You get caught. Something catches your eye, and then you go down a rabbit hole. I'm not too bad at it, but it's distracting, and then you forget what you went on. Then I often forget. Like I forgot I had to post this because I've I've just gone down a rabbit hole because it knows what I want to see, especially Instagram. Um, 
so yeah i think you can consciously do that um outsourcing well i i definitely followed the outsourcing thing i i was selling like with the art for example like so i was selling prints and i'd frame the prints and i'd post them out so then i just said no it was having to go to framers get stuff framed yeah. wasn't making any particular margin on the frames yeah they look great and then it's more cost more to post them out so i was like right cut out the framing they can do their own frames sell, sell them in tubes um and then i get yeah, get the printer to send them out for me um nice. so kind of outsource the prints and then when i found out print on demand then with t-shirts and stuff like that that was all that's all completely outsourced as well i barely go i barely even check my website i just get emails telling me what's happening um <laughs> i love that that's some, yeah, some so, of that matthew mcconaughey mailbox money that's what we're all we're trying to generate <laughs> here on the on the shark pod um so yeah, you're actually you're, you're really taking that uh the kind of automation piece uh to yeah. heart here a lot of people i would venture a lot of people are worried about automation as in if you're not in an equity position if you're not the owner of what's being sold it's a threat you know? i think creatives will have hopefully have more power and more earning power in, in the future um i think creatives are undervalued um it makes a difference yeah but creative can be anything like but if you can create something and then use automation where you don't have to there's no middleman um well then that's that's only a good thing and if you're worried about automate if you're worried about your job got losing your job to automation you're probably thinking too small you're probably in the wrong you should probably be upskilling, really. <laughs> yeah, like the way you're really <laughs> dancing around there. You gotta, yeah, make start making moves. You know, if yeah. That's, if that's the case, like uh, it's taking time, Bob. And it's it's the a lot of our a lot of people in Ireland as well. It's a, a lot of the mindset is is a kind of fixed mindset as well. It's like this is I'm an accountant. This is what I do. They kind of self-identify with it what they do instead of having. Um, yeah, you know, shooting for equity. That's what. I, that's what my my whole thing. I want as, as much shares of companies as possible. The you main know? your main thought should be adding value, like monetary value, indirectly or directly. And the the modern accountant has a, a commercial aspect to their role generally. Yeah. Um, the ones that don't, they're at risk of the finance function that they're in being outsourced to somewhere cheaper. But that's that's been away for a while, but people are just copping onto a, a bit more. And the outsourced functions in the likes of India, um, or different different countries in Europe, they're getting better. They are. Because I I know finance finance functions of companies, big companies that were outsourced, and they took them back because it was, it was not. It was just messy. It's too messy. Yeah, I think that there, and this is it is something to, to with technology as well. We talked about it before, but. As a reason why they're paying so uh, uh, software engineers in Silicon Valley four hundred grand a year, instead of paying somebody in Bangladesh a hundred grand, do you know what I mean to yeah. do something? There is a there's there's reasons for this, but the I think that that's that's narrowing as uh, we get closer with the COVID and stuff like that. I worry about that. I I think that our standard of living may be maybe not, but it could be it could be in in jeopardy because of uh, cheap access to cheap markets because I know if I had a big company I'd be looking to be as profitable as possible and if that mm. means paying um, you know a, a lot less and not having to worry about you know uh, government regulations changing and stuff like that for employees 
I, mm. I, I can see I can see where they're coming from, Joe. That type of way. Um, I, I'd look at the end of the day in our lifetime. I think we're going to be all right. We're not we're not as young as we think. Our life isn't as long as as we think it is. Yeah. I know the the rate of I don't know, is it Moore's law is you know it's pretty impressive and things will completely change in every ten years. But people are all, like jobs are still going to be around. The robots aren't going to be taken over in our lifetime. I don't think. And if they do, they will all be working for four hours a week and will be sorted out. And um, one of the things that he comes into after that is uh, at the end of time management. So time management is how to get the most out of your day. Um, he mm. talks about uh, Pareto's law, uh, yeah. which is... 80-20. The 80-20 made, um, made, <laughs> uh, made popular by my boy Richard Koch. Um, from, That's an unfortunate name. Yeah, it's a, it's a Dick Koch. Mm. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, Coke. You know what it says? It's K-O-C-H. Mm-hmm. It's Koch. Anyway, um, <laughs> he wrote a book, 80-20 Rule. Great book for business. One of the best books you could read. Talk about reading a book and then putting it right back on the uh, on the shelf and never looking at it again. Eighty uh, twenty. It's such a good, great, uh, a great concept. If you look at the, your day, this is really where you can chop down your day to four hours a day. I, you know, I'd be happy with four hours a day rather than four hours a week, even. Right. Um, right now, I'm working ten hours a day, mm. and I'm never out of things to do. Do you like know it? Right? Mm. So it kind of expands with the amount of time that you have. I, Tim Ferriss talks about uh, in the book. Have you ever been on a, a deadline for uh, a college paper and you've got 12 hours? And guess what? You came up with 6,000 words. Yeah. <laughs> you know? is, or, that's Parkinson's law, though, isn't it? Is it? Is that a maybe different the, law? That's the next one. That's if you allot a certain amount of time to something, you'll fill that time either one way or the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it's shorter or longer. I think that's Parkinson's. That's, that's, I think that's in the same chapter. But Pareto's law is like what 20% of your problems are causing you what 20 percent? yeah are causing 80 percent of your problems well yeah, yeah. that's it or uh, vice versa yeah or what what tw- uh to be more positive the what 20 yeah. percent of your your actions create 20 80 percent of the results right so yeah uh cold calling 800 or cold calling like a 100 uh leads that are completely unqualified versus only uh dealing with people who know your brand and want to talk mm-hmm. to you Obviously, you'll find some gems in the cold calling thing. Plus, you'll have some excitement. I quite like the cold calling um, element. I get. I actually have fun with that, which is a sick a sickness that people, you know, <laughs> it's weird. I love it. I just think it's fun. <laughs> no, but, but the, yeah, there is going to be um, different things that pop up during those kind of broadening the net wide and everything yeah, that you, you do, which just takes a lot of hours. Yeah, but stuff does come out of it. But his point here is, is, a, is that worth it? So you won't get 100% mm. if you only do the 20% of actions, but yeah. you'll get 80% of the results. And that's that's where the money is. But especially if you're employ- an employee, that's a tough one to sell to employers. If I was running a, a sales team as a, a CEO and they were saying, oh, should I only get 20% or get only an extra 20% out of you know, cold calling all day. I'm like, well, you better get the phone, buddy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> it's a hard. One. So if you're, it's more. I think that's more applicable if you are the owner of a company and you want to max, or if you're like an executive who wants to maximize the time allocation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Or it leaves you. It leaves your room if you cut out eighty percent of uh, 
companies that are actually that your clients that actually aren't giving you are giving you the same they're giving you grief and stuff like that you can if you cut them well then you can add more it makes you focus on adding more in absolutely so it's like yeah. firing your uh, uh firing your worst uh customers and that's what he actually does in the book as well so yeah uh, he applies this rule to his uh to his own uh kind of install base of customers where he's delivering these um these food supplements for his business uh, and he said about 20% of his customers caused way more than 80% of the complaints, late payments, all that type of stuff. Um, so he sent like an automated message to them when they emailed him saying that, you know, they can have their money back and he doesn't want to do business with them anymore. Um, a few of them, you know, sent ranting emails to him. A few of them said, oh, actually, it's okay. Don't worry. And they became good customers. Um, mm. So he cut off uh, 20% of his, of his revenue but you know he he freed up almost all of his time. Could you imagine in modern business you tell your shareholders I'm going to cut twenty percent of our uh, our our income because I don't like the guys they're whinge bags. Yeah, so, I like it. Yeah, I, again it's a it's a tough one, but I see where he's coming from. Um, yeah, there's there there is such thing as a, a bad customer. Where yeah, definitely, but it's a, it's not just business; it applies to all sorts of things. It could be eighty twenty. If if we're talking about maximum output from minimum input, it's yeah. a, that's what it's all based on, really. I think the Ironman training is a is a good kind of that as well because um, I'd say eighty percent of the mental gains that happened when you like first hit those got a ninety k, twenty one k run. Do you know, like when you hit those milestones where your your body's capable of doing that, I'm only hitting mm. those maybe twenty percent of the time. But that's really, that's that's giving me such a boost that 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 was worth a lot of little five Ks that you do. That's what my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it is it is kind of interesting that way. So, if you sat down and did an eighty twenty analysis of your quarter, I'm sure that you'd you'd be illuminating. But also, I find it kind of disempowering as well because I'm like, well, I was trying so hard. <laughs> Those other times, <laughs> it was fucking waste my time. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one to apply to. I think the good thing about the eighty twenty rule is that you can apply it to pretty much anything in anyone's life or circumstances mm. it's it's so it's good it's probably a good thing to to learn or to, to put a bit more thought into and have it in the back of your head yeah okay so here we go so now that you have um you've defined the life that you want to have which almost nobody does i would say i would venture um mm. you would start to eliminate the stuff that annoys you in a smart mm. way so it doesn't affect you negatively uh, some of that stuff might be like he suggests checking your emails twice a day um, I was doing that with Slack for a while, and then um, one of my friends uh, called me a c-word. <laughs> so uh, that was giving the wrong impression. I don't think Slack was ready for that type of thing because that's supposed to be like, you know, instant messaging. That's one of my Slack saying, "I'll check my Slack at four. Um, yeah. That was what I, what I said. Because, um, but then I was only. It depends what business you're in. If you're in any kind of sales environment, you know, multiple things happen in my day over email yeah you know i gotta that be have there. that have a real impact if you're just doing a creative thing where you're you spend okay mondays is when i do my my marketing campaigns where i kind of come up with them and that type of stuff maybe that's okay to say i'll check that once a day but if yeah. you're i kind of like hitting refresh and seeing if anything has happened with any of the deals i'm working on you know again it's part of the fun for me so yeah yeah i don't know i maybe personal emails are probably worth checking twice a day yeah or less yeah. 
it's mostly junk anyway. Um, yeah. Okay, so the here's the kind of the next part is um, automation. So this is about all about putting your income on autopilot. How does that feel? How does that sound like? What do you mean? Sound like fun? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark was taking a sip of his my wadi there. He almost uh, burst all over the. Anyway, so my point is uh, the next the next section is all about. Uh, finding a way to make that target income for the month uh, monthly yeah. target in- income um, and it is all about testing out so the first he calls it the muse uh, the muse is the thing the business that you create that uh, generates income um, mm-hmm. then he said talk, talks about how to test it before you actually make the leap um, and then the building in the management by absence and this is something that he talks about in in depth about how he he gave birth to this business, but it had a birth defect that no one would ever buy it because he's the person, he actually is the business doing everything. So mm. it's, it, it, well, he wasn't able to sell it for nearly as much as it, it could have been if from the beginning he was just figuring out, um, should he hire, you know, a CEO in year two, you know, mm. to run the business, that type of thing. Has, have you ever, like, now that you are, a, just, I know we're skipping ahead here, but now that you are a, a, a business owner, would you, like did that ever cross your mind in the first year saying now next year I'll get a CEO in to run this and I'll just be a, a shareholder? <laughs> I don't think that would be allowed, Luke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it kind of it kind of is my role. Uh, you have to. I think the start of any business you have to. You got it five years before you start dishing out. Okay. Uh, CF CEO titles. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, so the first thing is about coming up with the muse. So um, he talks about you know figuring out um, how to. You know, brainstorm for business ideas, stuff like that. Some of the stuff he uses, or he, uh, some of the examples he uses are really good. They're like, um, you know, looking at trade magazines and stuff that don't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the stuff like uh, testing uh, AdWords and stuff like that for uh, for your for your business, I think that still holds up. And um, if you've got a little business and you want to uh, set up a landing page with uh, pictures of the product or the service or whatever and try to get people to give you money for it. Don't even have a merchant account set up, but get them to try to convert and then send them say, hey, we're not not actually ready. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll get you back when we have more stock or whatever. Uh, yeah. We didn't charge. Doesn't he try to find the pain points first, the the, pro- the problems, and then come up with the solution yeah. as opposed to building a product and trying to sell it to people who may or may not want it? Exactly. And back then he didn't even, well, they might it might have been around then, but... There's a, you know, in America, they it's very popular. It could be popular here too. I might just be out of the loop. But you know, Reddit. Yeah. There's people who make businesses out of Reddit. So they go in and look at people, what people are whinging about. And yeah. And make a business about that. That's the equivalent of, you know, looking at trade magazines or, you know, and or, bo- or boards.ie or, you know, any of those. But the most negative place in the world. But Yeah. I know uh, what you're talking about though. I, I was on... Um, I was doing some research uh, on the old competitor there, uh, Salesforce, uh, on a, a certain deal that I was looking at, and I kind of found myself lost in a rabbit hole of, um, uh, you know, board-like questions, you know, like uh, mm. where people were having discussions about stuff that was missing from the platform, and I was just like, if you were, if you were smart and had twenty grand, you could build an app for this, mm. and the opportunities are endless for that you can see that there's at least 20 people who are whinging about this and that's only people who whinge about things that's the that's the crust of the problem yeah. you know like 
how, how many bad reviews have you given of a restaurant? You used to, have, I just won't go there again. Yeah, I'm not yeah, gonna, yeah. I've only, I've given a couple of bad reviews lately um, over lockdown. I think really, it's just it was all charged up. <laughs> I, I've since deleted them <laughs> because you, it's Google because you're hungry, probably. Yeah, exactly. I was just kind of like that wasn't big enough. That, anyway, so, <laughs> um, but my point is uh, finding what's what's going to generate that income for you. So a lot of people. Uh, when they think about businesses, they think about starting the next Facebook. You got to be like Zuckerberg or something. When in reality, like we were talking to our friend Mark Flood, uh, the private equity guy, he was saying that there's a lot of businesses in Ireland that are making a million dollars or a million euro in uh, in profit a year or EBITDA um, a year. And you'd never hear of them. They're real boring industries. Mm. Check it away. So, it's something, especially in tech, where all all the people who are that leave to start their businesses are doing the moonshot thing, where they go, "Okay, oh, I need eight hundred grand seed money." Yeah, what a valuation! A, bo- a boring business probably is the safest thing to do. You know, there's less risk involved. You know, something sells. Yeah, but like, look, there's lots of things out there that haven't been invented as well. But like, I think the whole point of Tim Ferriss kind of setting up the landing page and yeah. seeing if it's actually a proper See if the, the the product is actually going to get sales before you actually put a lot of effort into something and make your, make this baby, and then yeah, then all of a sudden, you know, nobody wants your baby. It's it's interesting because the, the yeah exactly. So people are going, oh, I love to make pizza, so I'm going to make pizza, and then there might be lots of pizza already available that's going to be way better hmm. than you you can make. Just kind of way. So hmm. I know what you mean. The testing is gonna, is going to be something that you should really uh, look at as well as the kind of exit strategy from the beginning or how you how this can be managed without your uh, without your input. So stuff like nowadays, there's even more opportunities. There's um, there's information products. There's you to me courses that you could set up. There's uh, you know audio book. if you're good at reading, you can read audiobooks for for people. Mm. Or, you know, like do a recording for that. There's all these kind of gigs that you can do that when people you can just go to a landing page and buy, you don't have to do the actual service. It's kind of a, a catch 22 because with services, even like it services, like you can make a lot of money doing the service part, but you can also just be like MailChimp who you just buy online. No, no big yeah. commitment on the sale or the service. It's just, you buy it, you use it, you churn. We don't care. There's lots of people out there mm. really cheap, lightweight software that doesn't need mm-hmm. sales people it's great you know i think another big element of of that business is the fact that it can be maintained anywhere in the world yes exactly i think that's a really good point as well especially once things get back to a little bit normal where people can travel around it was also mm. so there's the the last bit here because we're we're almost at an hour mark we are terrible at talking it's like <laughs> sometimes when i'm with a with a guest, I'm like, we're at 45 minutes. I'm like, uh, so what's the what's the weather like out there? Right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. come on. you know. But I'm looking at the clock and I'm trying to make it an hour at least, you know. Um, but <laughs> we've been talking for an hour. Anyway, so we're on the last part here, liberation. In a, in a podcast about like optimizing time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so the last bit, piece here is liberation, right? So how to escape the office. He talks about how to negotiate a remote working thing. Now's the time to do that. Anyone out there who's taking the foot off the gas working from home, you better no don't waste this opportunity. Be more productive. Mm-hmm. Show your work. Always like if there's a if you're in a business and you can't show your work, 
it's a mm. difficult uh it's gonna be difficult for you to maintain that remote working do you know what I, mean? I don't know what yeah. you're doing and um, so make sure there's, that look there's the software that enables that to, to show pe- what people are actually doing but i think you should use if that not everyone has that software yet so you should be using your initiative and given you know every updates in the morning midday and in the evening if you don't and you, you could have worked your ass off all day yeah. depends on what you're in and you could have little or no results yeah we might see those results in two days time but i'm going to be wondering what's he been doing for the last two days yeah you know and i think it's a little bit different if you're running a, a project or you're like what i do it would be hard to measure um like the amount of hours i'm th- always thinking about it i'm always making improvements do you know what i mean it's not as it, it's not uh, kind of a high activity job. It's very much like strategic, working on kind of bigger deals and stuff like that. A lot of kind of like I don't know what you call it, discovery. You know, I'm trying to figure out kind of how things work together, mm-hmm. different software systems, how they connect, and all that type of stuff. Um, mm. But I know what you mean. For those, if you're in a job where you're not running the project, so there's not going to be an end outcome that you can stand over. You've got to make sure that you're communicating so you can get this this liberation here um so the next one next part of that is killing like the most of, sorry the most of that chapter or that you know that bit of the book is actually about trying to figure out how to, how to convince your boss to give you one two three days from home yeah <laughs> now it's you know it's handed to you you can't come into work <laughs> it's, it's, it's fabulous so for people well, you will be back that's the problem you know not, not the problem but that will happen people will get back at some stage you know most people and i think to an the, extent i think the smaller the company the quicker they'll be back that's what i was thinking the other day yeah. i went into the office for the first time since march to get something um yesterday and it was really empty all that type of stuff it was very kind of post-apocalyptic around the ifsc there's nothing going on um except for lads sitting there on the wall lashing the rain uh drinking linden village loads nice. of cans there and i was like you know i got stuff to worry about i can't do that right now <laughs> Uh, anyway. Maybe they implemented the four-hour work week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're killing the game. Um, so anyway, my point is, uh, if you're in a smaller business, say if I've got a sales team and I've it's my business, I, I started an insurance brokerage and I've got 15 people on the phones for me. Um, I want to see you at work because I still feel like that money's coming out of my pocket. Mm. I want to see you there. I don't want to see you kind of working, kind of narcos on your second screen. I don't want to, mm. do you know what I mean? I want you to be doing the J-O-B. Yeah, so I think they'll be back first. This kind of smaller companies where the um, the owner is still kind of involved, but those type of big corporate companies, there's a lot of different structures there. It suits uh, managers not to go into work as well. You know, everyone's kind of mm-hmm. in on it in a, in a certain way. And places like with technology the way it is now, um, we've we've never been more uh, my job prolific. You know, as a company, so. It does work. It can work, but it's not going to work for everybody. And I think most people will be back in the offices quicker than they think that they're going to be. My opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the last part of that is liberation. So it goes to talk about killing your job. So actually planning from six months from now, I'm not going to be working there anymore. I'm going to be completely uh, living off the muse that I've built, the, the small business on the side that I've built, the side hustle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... The last part of that is filling the void, right? Which is, okay, now that you, <laughs> you're the only one not working, um, all your friends are working, they're, all they want to talk about is work. I don't know if you noticed that. A lot of people that I, uh, you know, high achievers that I hang out with, we go out for 
dinner or a reasonable price meal or whatever right now and it's just work 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 so imagine if you don't have any work to do what would you think mm. about all day me well, yeah, what would well you do? i'm you i'm unique in that i have the art i'd just be creating huge paintings and just doing it loads of creative stuff but i think a lot of people would turn to creativity and travel creativity travel um you could say oh spending time with your family but look we've all been in lockdown and you know there's only so much time people can just spend talking to each other like you know you have to do something else together fair enough but i would put it down to creativity and travel and if you can combine them happy days i think what would you say I don't know, like when I, in my 20s, I really thought that the the travel thing was the most important thing. And it was at the time. Mm. And I did it. I went to, I think I went to like 40 countries or something. So I've, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff. Um, mm. Long-term travel can be really, like a really nice feeling. It's real disconnected. It takes kind of a month for that to happen. And then you don't, then you realize you don't have any bills. You don't have any, uh, there's not like, I have to you realize how cheaply you can live. Like you can go get down to spending like 15 euro a day living on a beach. You know? Yeah. But in the back of my head would have always been that you got to come back to real life some stage. So in the back of or, my head was like, I'm going to start a beach bar here. These guys are sleeping. I'm going to come in and fucking really. How many, and how many people think that and how many people actually do it? I seen actually the, the problem is I, I'd be in a Thailand and I'd be looking at the guys who never went home. I'm like, I don't know if that's what I want to be like. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the 50 year old guys with the dreadlocks, uh, you know, chasing after young ones. Yeah. Um, so no, but if you if you can if the argument is then if you've implemented the four hour work week, you know, you should be able to to have that feeling of being detached when you want to be detached and not have that you know hanging over your head that uh, that guilt so you can actually enjoy the moment. I've always kind of fantasized about having two months off when my wife, uh, who's a teacher, has two months off in the summer, taking that time mm. off and doing something with the family that we will produce one day, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's very achievable. But it's something I've been thinking about lately um, is <clears throat> more the way the Japanese think about their lives and they make 100-year plans, right? Mm. It's very mind-opening because you can say, okay, if I'm starting a business and I want it to last for 100 years, how would I do that? It's kind of a, going against um, the four-hour work week. But mm. I, think, I think building stuff is going to be fun. That's I think that's probably... I just don't. So there's only so much travel that you can do before you're the oldest guy in the hostel. Yeah. Do you know, kind of well, you're, why are you Why are you imagining travel to be like when you were, you know, eighteen, nineteen? I don't know. That's um, well. That's the difference because okay. that's the argument is that's the problem is that's the only time you get to do all that. Maybe unless yeah. you until you retire, and that's why all the mini retirements, yeah, are, are encouraged, or just living a a life arbitrage where you get to live in another country, you get paid euros from your internet business and you get to live in another country and get paid and spend whatever currency they, they spend. You can take it to the next level because we're in the EU. We can actually quote unquote live in Malta, have an internet business and you don't pay tax on any money that you make from your business that comes from offshore. Imagine mm. that. That'd be crazy. Wouldn't it? Um, imagine you wouldn't have to pay. Oh, more is, Ma- is Malta on the green list? I think it is on the green list. Green for money. Green for uh, that's where we're going to be paying tax. But anyway, um, so it's something that it's 
as I got older, I know I'm not that old, I'm 31, but as I got older, the 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 promises of traveling the world and having these interesting um, en- encounters with people and stuff like that, I still think that's valid, but I quite like having um, having a, a base. I want to be a big uh, impact person on the kind of community. Do you know what I think that's, yeah. that's the dream now. Maybe, tell you what, maybe having four-hour work week would give you a lot more time to do that, a lot more time to spend on stuff that you want to do. Maybe that's yeah. It doesn't have to be like on the front cover. It's a guy in a hammock in between palm trees. Um, you don't have mm. to. There's there's other ways to spend the time. It's up to you. Um, and I guess filling the void chapter kind of rounds that off. You know. Yeah, that wouldn't appeal to me. The hammock would get uncomfortable after yeah. a week, Chafing. and then yeah, I think I think it's it's building things, giving back, being creative, and and traveling definitely. But, like you're in a lucky position where you've actually been to about 40 countries and and but people actually who haven't done that much traveling have that in the back of their head that when i retire when i retire i'm gonna go yeah. traveling and like maybe they're maybe they're increasing the importance of that like and how, how about you just travel yes. all along and then when you retire you know there's other stuff there's a great book called um vagabonding that actually tim ferris brings up and he had him on his podcast god i forget his name now the guy who wrote it but it's the the art of long-term travel. And it talks about not going on vacation, but having these kind of long-term travel experiences. Really interesting book. Great audio book if you're looking mm. for something from Audible. Uh, you can get your, your you can get that book for free actually below. But the, uh, the thing in that is that um, he talks about the clip from Wall Street where they ask him, a young Charlie Sheen, what would you, what would you do if you weren't being in, doing the investment banking thing? He's like, you know what? I'd, I'd once once I make enough money, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a a motorbike and I'm gonna I'm gonna drive across China, and then your man's like, you could do that with like a hundred dollars. You don't <laughs> like you don't need to be a retired millionaire to drive a. You know what I mean? The, the whole thing yeah. is, I like the idea. So maybe I'm like you said, I'm in a, a privileged privileged position uh, because I've done the I've done two or three mini retirements since I read the book. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so maybe that was kind of enough for me. But that, it would be nice to be able to say, well, imagine if we had the freedom to say, uh, okay, let's have a family holiday for every for everybody uh, for December. We're going to go get a chalet in, you know, the Swiss Alps or something mm-hmm. for the whole month. And we don't have to worry about, you know, <laughs> right now that would be, we'd have to have a lot of ducks in a row to make that happen. That's all I'm saying, Mark. <laughs> well, the, the, another problem is, what everybody always says about like thinking about retiring and the pension and stuff is what if you don't live that long? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, hold, hold on. The plan, the plan is to, to go traveling and stuff like that. Think of all the people who retired this year and their plans to go traveling. Yeah. How are they going for them? It's, oh my God, such a good point. Mm. It's something that, uh, Tim actually brings up a lot as well about the, you know, you're not guaranteed any more time. So, that's the the dream line is for six months, twelve months. That's what yeah. that's what we should be kind of always aiming for. The retirement and actually, I only really started saving for my retirement a couple of years ago because of that. And I always thought future Luke would have figured that out by now. That's what I I'll be like, yeah, Luke, future Luke's gonna be rich, so who cares? <laughs> yeah. I don't think this hundred and thirteen euro that I'm putting in this month is gonna make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like, what are we going to do? Future Luke has that covered. Future Luke, yeah. come on. But then, you know, uh, maybe that, that would be the case. But 
it's um it I like the idea of doing things now. So maybe maybe I I need to have a rethink about the maybe because I'm it doesn't seem as attractive to me to to do the four hour work week right now. Maybe it, it means that I'm quite enjoying the setup that I have, and maybe yeah. this is for people who are very unhappy. But on the other hand, maybe I'm not thinking big enough. Maybe I'm not having enough uh, goals or kind of dreams to chase after right now. Do you like it? So maybe yeah. it could be either I side. I think, you know, every every six months or something, you should kind of recalibrate and see where you are and see what areas you could you need a bit more, I don't know, excitement in. Because the he says it's actually you shouldn't be striving for happiness because that'll get that that that'll get quite boring. Uh, it's actually strive for excitement. I I could not agree more. And I, mm. when I read that, I really put everything in perspe- perspective for me because um, I always have something in the future looking forward to, and if I don't, I get a little bit antsy, you know. Mm. Um, and that, that's why people find a, a lockdown, a perpetual lockdown situation, tough to handle. Hundred percent. If they told it's us just, we got a lockdown yeah, for two years, I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? like, <laughs> yeah. But it's the not knowing that. That really, uh, <laughs> that really puts it puts it down for people. Yeah, it's um, uh, yeah. So it's something to think about. But every, like, even my biggest uh thing was when I when I was in the investment bank and I bought a property straight after college. When I first got that property, I was like that. I was excited to get it, but then there was nothing after that. And I was about twenty three or twenty four or something, and I was living in there, and I was just like, oh my god, this is it now. I have no. Mm-hmm. I and then that's when I put the kind of four hour work week mini retirement in place mm. and i got this i was in uh my wife's house and her brother had come back from traveling and he had this this kind of well-thumbed uh, south america on a shoestring uh lonely planet and i took it i, I didn't even, i just put it in my bag um and i, I fucking like, it was like 900 pages i was thumbing through it you know circling things and that's when i really got excited about about doing that so yeah i went there for like four months or whatever you probably didn't um, link that directly to the the four hour work week book, but I think it's a type of book that just changes your mindset, changes the way you think, and it's kind of in the back in the back of your head all the time. Hundred percent. And then mm. you end up going to Buenos Aires, and you're in a tango lesson, and you're like, "How the hell did I get here?" And then you realize, "Oh yeah, Tim told me to do this." So. <laughs> <laughs> he also he also practiced uh, hurling as well when he was over in Ireland. Yeah, he was living in the Gaeltacht. In uh, mm-hmm. Galway, which is pretty uh, interesting as well. He doesn't really dig into that in the book, which I was a little bit uh, disappointed with. But anyway, so that's kind of that's the book. Well, after liberation, it kind of just ends with some some really nice uh, case studies of people who read the book and email them in. I don't know. You never know if those are real or they just kind of you know make them up. But there, are, if you go into his blog, there is hundreds of them. So yeah, there's more likely to be ones you know two three years down the line rather than. Uh, on the date the book is published. <laughs> yeah, but well, in his defense, this the four hour work week blog had been going on for like three years beforehand. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So he had he had yeah. actually something we can talk about later if you're trying to launch something like this. Building a, a following beforehand is the way to do it. Joe. You know? Yeah, so, and we know we now know him from the Tim Ferriss podcast. But at the time, you know, there was no podcast. Probably podcasts probably weren't weren't even big at the time. No, this is five years before Joe Rogan. Yeah, I'm sure there's actually other books who have honed that better and maybe updated it. But this is the kind of, as we said, it's it's more like the Bible. It's the go-to. I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. commit to rereading that. It's so good. I don't know why I tend to bring it on holidays all the time. I bring it um, every holiday. This has been around the you world. You do that right? as well. I'm, and I never read it really when I'm, I'm doing other things. But 
I've read it yeah. so many times. Do you know what I've well, I'm, re- I'm reading that at 8 p.m. when everybody's gone to bed. Yeah, and be like, okay. <laughs> on my holidays. Yeah, and this yeah. is... I brought this to Florida. <laughs> and you're like, it's the interna- most international book. Um, I got this book in the mail uh, yesterday. I'm almost finished. It's called The Sa- the Sales Acceleration Formula. It was the guy who, um, who was the first uh, sales hire in HubSpot and took the, the team from zero to 100 million uh, in recurring revenue really interesting book if anyone ever wants to and this is public knowledge now but if i knew this book before i applied for hubspot it tells you exactly what they're looking for and how they grade everything and i'm like i do the interviews it's the same thing but it's really interesting really uh and he talks about like how they build it how they uh incentivize people and at one stage they were giving four dollars per one dollar salespeople brought in in commission when they're trying to scale god be with the days i missed the boat on that one you know could have been sitting here wow. in a fancier house um anyway <laughs> on a bigger hill on a bigger hill um yeah but it's really good if anyone wants to read that one it's kind of like the so that's the hubspot one and then there's another one uh by aaron ross who did the same thing at salesforce so it's nice to read them both and see what the things are but yeah, yeah. um my point is the sales acceleration formula it's basically it's kind of i actually don't like the title so it's, a, it's kind of like the four-hour work week sometimes titles are a bit that does that's real cheesy i think yeah it's not a formula it's an advice i don't know if, you know what i mean it's yeah it's not i think math. if a book is good enough it'll get past its 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 name you know what i mean the title like yeah. the four hour work we took not a great title but in a way it is yeah in a way <laughs> exactly but the the point is why, why i'm enjoying this book and why it's kind of like the four hour work week is he really digs into um how to manipulate a, a uh, like a, a sales organization to basically do whatever you want the company to do it's like very how you change tweak little uh little incentives for salespeople and just watch mm. the change overnight really really interesting and i know well, from experience the salespeople like, are human and human behavior is predictable so exactly so um mm. it's a really interesting book so I'd, I'd, I'd recommend that one as well but um my point is there it really does makes you it opens your mind as well. I, cause I know from experience because I've worked in these teams, but for those people who have never worked in like uh, proper organized sales teams, um, the power of a, a proper sales team is so, is so effective. Like if you can just have a decent product with a, a market that's growing and you put in good salespeople, I mean, watch the company explode. Do you know what I mean? It's really, mm. really interesting. So opens your mind and say, okay, all I have to do is basically f- figure out a decent muse in this case hire some salespeople and let them get after it mm. you know pay them really well then they'll anyway so anyway that's that's the uh, i think that's it for today we're one hour 16 the four hour work week uh we couldn't recommend it enough i think but was it get three thumbs up mark what's what's your what, yeah what do you, yeah. you give it out of 10 <laughs> um out of 10 um for imp- impact wise for me um i'd have to give it a nine out of ten that's pretty high 10 out, 10 out of 10. I, I don't think I've ever given a book 10 out of 10, put it that way. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I would have said, yeah. So, I'm probably the same, but 9 out of 10. But he would have got 10 out of 10 if he just released. I'd love a follow up. Do you know what I mean? I want to know what the tools, the websites, and stuff that he would do now. I mean, there's a lot more testing he could do, a lot more analytics he could use. I just think there's another. As book I say, he probably wouldn't do it because there's, other, there's probably other people doing it as well. It wouldn't be as. Uh, unique anymore yeah yeah like i read another one called life leverage it was just a, a, a broke a poor man's timothy ferris it was basically the same thing 
there to, just regurgitating just, it. Just kind of outsourcing things. Anyway, so um, let's leave it there for today. Uh, thanks very much, Mark. We've got a few more guests that will be coming online over the next couple of weeks. Um, but it was important for us to have a chat about the, a, a book that really impacted us. Uh, people, if, you, if you're if you going to get the book, I think it's like 12 euro. It is a steal for 12 euro for what it can give you. That is it. Mm-hmm. The, it's a, a asymmetrical, asymmetrical, yeah, <laughs> asymmetrical return on your money. Um, and it might be uh, some something really good if you're looking for a way to kind of figure out how much money you'll actually need for the lifestyle that you want um Mm. because there's not a big difference between earning 90k and 100k lifestyle wise but it might cost you a lot uh to take a a new job for an extra 10 grand joking away so yeah something yeah it's all about relative income is how he defines it yeah exactly you know what i mean so if you're if you're making 100 grand you're living in botswana you're doing well. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and Greystone's not so much, apparently. You're the king. There's a guy down the road here with two Range Rovers. I don't think he needs it. He's the only one who drives them. I've seen him. I'm watching. Anyway, uh, right, let's leave it there for today. Cheers.